welcome back to the Stab Cusp. I am Michael Saramella here with my co-host Stace Galbraith and this is somewhat of a special edition because we're going to be largely focusing on the upcoming Surf 100 event which airs tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a pay-per-view live streamed event. You can get tickets on surf100.tv. That is a website. If you buy tickets today, the day before the event, they'll be $9.99. And if you buy them on the day of the event, it's $14.99. And that is my last sales pitch. So Stace, how are you? Mate, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Um, and I'm excited. I think this could be, um, you know, obviously this is the first time around, so I'm excited to see how it rolls out. But overall, I think this could be, uh, you know, the way of the COVID future. So yeah, can't wait. Basically, the whole thing just whittles down to the point that we all want to see competitive surfing. And we really love the idea of kind of like condensing competitive surfing into the moments that we actually care about. And I think most fans feel the same way that they want to see really good surfers in the best conditions possible. And they also want a hint, if not an absolute fucking dollop of interpersonal sort of rivalry relationship between the people that are competing. There needs to be something there on an emotional level that makes one person really not want to lose to the other. So that's kind of the, the general concept behind Surf 100, which if you're not aware, we're basically taking Kolohe Andino, Griffin Colapinto, and Ian Crane and putting them in the water for 100 minutes at their local break, lower trestles on a day when the waves are pumping. Um, so that's generally the concept. But Stace, I think you had some questions about how the whole thing is going to work. Yeah, so I guess I'll just get the real easy one out of the way first. Is this a pre-recorded event? Yes, pre-recorded, which is a really good thing because the waves have been flat in California for the past three to four weeks and will be that way for a little while longer. So if we were actually filming tomorrow, it would be a pitiful event. But I can promise you that we got really, really, really fun lowers, overhead, super clean, and yeah, kind of just ideal for what we were trying to go for. Mental. Um, and secondly, it's 100 minutes. Is it a hundred minutes or, or was it three hours condensed into a hundred minutes or is it a hundred minutes where there's four, eight minute lulls or, you know, walk me through that. How, how's that eight minutes going to look? Yeah. So the uh, hundred minutes, sorry. They surfed for a hundred minutes and the live stream is also a hundred minutes. So within that hundred minutes, obviously there are times when they're riding waves and there are plenty of times when they're not riding waves. They do get a lot of waves for 100 minutes. I think maybe the average is like 13 or so waves per surfer. Um, but yeah, so basically the beauty of this, the beauty of pre-recording it is we know when those lulls are going to be. So we've basically created uh, certain like packages and video pieces. And also we have like a commentary team consisting of Dane Reynolds, Salema Masakela and Taylor Knox, who are going to fill those dead spaces. And it really allows us to kind of like do quality control on the 100 minute package as a whole. So, in theory, we hope that you're never going to be bored within that 100 minutes. It's not like you're just watching guys sit out the back for 10 minutes at a time. Yeah, got you. Perfect. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, and I kind of am making the assumption that the commentators will be watching it as we are watching it. So there'll be somewhat of an element of surprise, hopefully to them and us as the viewer, because then we're being asked to score as well. Yeah. So uh, two points there. You are correct. The commentators have never seen this. Um, the only people who saw it were the ones who saw it live and then the people who were actually involved in the production which is pretty much just internal stab staff um and so yeah the commentators are going to be watching it as if it was live and then the second point yes the audience is going to be the judge for the event and the way that that works is basically you'll watch a wave in quote unquote live time and then 
you're going to see after the wave is over, you're going to see a little icon pop up on the screen. It's going to say score now. Um, we really recommend that if you're watching Surf 100, you do so with two different devices, preferably like a computer and a phone, because with scoring, you're going to have to navigate away from the video stream and down the page a little bit so that you can work on our scoring widget, which is essentially just a slider that goes from zero to a hundred points. So yeah, basically you're going to be watching it on your computer. You're going to see a score now thing. You're going to go onto your phone and you're going to uh, see one of the surfers is going to have their slider available. You're going to move the slider from one to a hundred. It's basically like a one to 10 scale, but times 10 and you're going to drop it and you're going to hit submit. And that is going to be the score that you give. That's going to go into a pool of all the other viewers who are watching, and it's going to be averaged. And the average score of the viewers is going to be the official score of the surfer. No, my question was, I'm a, I'm a judge by trade. What if I want to set a scale, mate? Like, you know, I want to watch a few waves go through. Um, can I go back and sort of review a score? Or can I change a score once it's been locked in? Or once it's locked in, it, it's kind of over. Yep. Once it's locked in, it's over. Um, the only thing that we have basically is before the event starts, we set the scale with a single wave that was not written in the Surf 100 event. It was just a separate wave written at lowers. Clever. So we set the scale with that wave. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a weird wave to use because it's kind of like one really big maneuver and then like a couple kind of like float climbs, like not an average lowers wave where you kind of like connect the dots. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's not perfect. We know it's not perfect and we're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to have fun. We're trying to give people um, some stake in the game. And to that point, the quote unquote best judge of the event, which could also be considered the most average judge of the event, which I believe are your words, um, is going to win a custom three board quiver from Lost Surfboards. So just to explain that a little further, I have seen all the waves of Surf 100 and I have judged them on a personal scale. So I am quote unquote the head critic for Surf 100 who gave me that position I have no idea. I'm not more qualified than any other person, but that was my task. So I did it. And essentially the person who gets their scores closest to mine on average throughout the entire event is going to get three lost surfboards. And I believe me, I'm the first person to admit that that is the most arbitrary performance metric trying to get close to my scores, but we didn't really have any other way to frame it. And we're basically trying to incentivize people to score the whole time and to score fairly at the very least. Um, so, you know, throwing those giant scores for waves that don't deserve it or low scores because you don't like a surfer or whatever, like basically just shooting yourself in the foot because you're taking yourself out of contention for winning three surfboards. And I can guarantee you that anybody watching would rather have three surfboards for themselves than spite Ian Crane or Griffin Cole Pinto or Kaloha Andina. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, so you get, you know, close to close enough to you across the whole day, then then you're the winner. Um, who's your favorite surfer out of the out of the lot? Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I've actually already had a couple people proposition me uh, for my scores. You know, trying to to barter with me, and I'm still uh, kind of waiting for a higher bid. I haven't really seen the number that I'm comfortable with selling my scores for yet. So, um, yeah, my DMs are open if anybody's listening. <laughs> That's amazing. No, it, it's an interesting point. I, I, you know, um, I grew up um in the in the you know the sports admin side of things uh when uh, perry hatchett was just sort of leaving as head judge of the tour and richie porter was taking over and i, I was never at that level but that was they were the bosses you know so their their themes and whatnot would filter down through the state branches and whatnot and, and you do judging courses based on you know you'd see dingo and mick and they'd compare waves and whatnot so what i'm getting at is those guys have their favorites and I'm all, I'm all for it. Like if, if you've got a favorite, you know, Richie is, is, is well publicized as loving Mick and Joel. And that's, that's cool. If you're a young kid coming on tour and you know that the head judge appreciates that style of surfing, well, you're a professional surfer and you're surfing in front of judges. So 
it would be smart to take that into consideration. Now, I'm not saying you have to go out and surf like Mick or Joel, but certainly the way that those guys put their waves together, if the head judge is liking that as far as speed and, and flow is concerned, which is what those two guys had in spades, it would be a wise thing, I think, to you know bring some of your own surfing to the table, but as well factor that in rather than just having a closed door of like, oh yeah, just, you know, just go out and do whatever you want and see how you go. Like, I think it's, it's fine to have favorites. It, it, it narrows down a sport that has so many variables. So I think your favorite would be Griffin. If I have, if I have a guess, why is that? Um, I just think that you like his, his sort of new age kind of Paco-esque flair would be my guess. Are you projecting? Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one. Like, and then I even think about, you know, other sports that are subjectively judged uh, at least to a certain degree. And like, I don't know, like it would be weird if, if, you were like a boxing judge and you were like, yeah, Ali's my guy. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't like any subjective could... sport is flawed. Like surfing's flawed. Surfing cannot be objectively judged. And no. I guess we accept that. And mm. we, it's one, it's one of the beautiful things about surfing, I guess, is it creates all this like dynamic conflict and tension, which is fun. It is fun. It gives us something to talk about for sure. And um, you know, it's always, it's always good chat and, Sometimes the chat gets fiery, but it, I think that's what makes the sport fun. Like you said, um, our guest later on in the show, um, Ian, he, he made a comment like, uh, you know, he just wanted to be on, you know, as, as low as so you got to be on the set waves. Um, and that's kind of something that I think it might transpire that that is not the, I, don't, I haven't seen the footage, but I know from judging off replays, sometimes wave height just kind of gets lost. There's just a depth of field thing there where like the biggest set wave of the day doesn't necessarily look that much bigger than an insider. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. I guess we will never know because we never saw it live, but I think that could be something interesting. And I think it could be a good thing for the sport moving forward. If there's more of these events, it will be kind of like, okay, well this guy's on a wave that offers this much potential. Did he surf? over or under that wave's potential and then score it accordingly. Not necessarily, you know, um, compared to any other wave in the heat, more just compared to the way that they stood up on. So I think, um, you know, that could be fun to see if that sort of transpires. That, that actually reminds me of my criteria and it's like pretty loose. Like I just kind of wrote this up to help myself think about it. And I wanted to create kind of a point of difference to the WSL's criteria, which I think their criteria makes sense, but I think it also misleads in a few categories, one of them being kind of wave quality. I think if you watch WSL heats, it's consistently the people who catch the best waves that are making it through, and it's not necessarily because they're going above and beyond on those waves. It's because they're surfing that wave you know, at kind of like a standard that is equal to that wave. So if the yeah. wave's an eight and they surf it normal, it becomes an eight versus if the wave's a five and you surf it really well, you only get a seven. Um, yeah, I agree. So here, I'm, I'm going to bring you through my five-point criteria, and I want to hear kind of your thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, so first one is first impression, which is simply what number, what number pops into your head after that surfer kicks out or falls or whatever? You know, is it a six? Is it a 7.5 or whatever? Like, to me, that initial reaction should be taken into consideration because you can watch a wave a hundred times on different days, and you can feel differently about it. But there's something about that first hit, the impact, and it's like, okay, I feel like I know what this was. Um, so that's my first one. Have you done the judging uh, course? Because that's the, that's the first thing you learn is always go with your first thought because it's generally right. You, your first impression is, is the right one. And that's how, you okay. build, that's how you build confidence in becoming a judge, just backing yourself and not really needing the replay, kind of checking it out. Yeah, no, I'm on and, and leaving it at that. So yeah, you're, you're off to a good start, mate. Good to know. Yeah, I've never taken the judging course, but that's cool. But see, that's I, never, I, I, I think every pro surfer should take the judging course just while we're on it. I couldn't agree more. I'm sure that could only help you. Mm. Um, it's interesting, like the first impression thing, like we'd never see that in any public WSL literature. Like obviously they're talking about it internally a lot if it's in the judging course, but like we never see that as a spectator. So I don't know, just something interesting to consider. That's actually really cool. They do publish 
internally their first scores, then replay and then lock it in. It'd be cool if they maybe just chuck that up on the live stream. Like here's, here's the first impression. It's to be confirmed. Either A, they want to see another wave ridden in the heat to get a comparison or B, they need to check the replay and then see what happens after that. That would be kind of cool. That's could be an yeah. idea for them. Uh, okay. So point two is style slash flow. Basically how somebody just looks on a wave. Mm. Um, I know that style has been taken out of the WSL criteria. I know that flow also kind of covers style, but, but not all the way. Like, I don't know. As much as style is subjective, style is also objective. And mm. it needs to be taken into consideration, especially when Surf 100 is basically framed as a new way to present a surf edit. Because mm. the kind of concept that Sam McIntosh based this off of is that we see surf clips come out every day. Some of them were filmed over the course of two years. Some of them were filmed over the course of two weeks. And a lot of the time, unless the surfer explicitly explains it, you don't really know which it is. And we're comparing these kind of apples to apples, but really it's apples and oranges. Like you can't compare mm. somebody that went on six trips and yada, yada, yada versus somebody who went out surfing their backyard for a couple surfs, you know? Mm. So we are taking a hundred minutes and basically saying, what can you do in this space to impress us? Who's going to fucking surf that well that they can put together a sick part. Mm. And so I think that style has to be one of the big components of that. Cause nobody's going to watch a clip. Even if you're doing cool shit, if it all looks bad, nobody wants to watch it. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think having style in there is, is fine. Our, our sport's objective enough. One word is not going to make it any more or less objective. So or subjective. So yeah, that's, that's epic. I think it, it kind of to you. I think that some servers have different styles at different points in the heat. Like if someone's needing a score, you, you can notice that they sort of the, the blood pressure is higher and their, their, their style sometimes, you know, suffers because of that. So it's why someone like Ethan Ewing is, it makes him super special because it doesn't matter whether there's one minute to go or half an hour to go. He still looks exactly the same. So yeah, I think style, I think style's very important. Okay, so next I have wave magnitude. Can I just quickly I, say sorry about the whole filming for two years or like filming for one month? That only kind of ends up in like folklore or like stories between the, the you know that tight circle. No one, you're right. No one really knows. Like, like Noah Dean's head noise was four months. Wow, that that was like a part full film. Is is just he went out of body on that. So, and you know, or like, I think Parko's section in Stranger Than Fiction was one trip to Lakey Peak. And then <laughs> yeah, he got like crazy. one or two waves at another spot in the end of his section. But like 95% of that section is just like a seven day. I think it was even like a board short shoot or something that he it ended up just having a section and he got like, you know, the fourth or fifth last section in the movie or something like, yeah. yeah. That's why nowadays, one of my favorite things to watch, if not my favorite thing to watch period in surfing is just single sessions of really good surfers. Mm. Like I want to see somebody ride 30 waves and I want to see what they can do in that space. Like that's fucking amazing to me. Mm. And I think like, it, okay, so say you do an air that in relation to the rest of a clip or whatever might be like a six, but if you mm. do it, if you're watching it in the context of just that one session, you mm. see that air and you're like, Oh shit. Like that was cool. Versus, it means nothing when it's just plastered in with 25 other really similar, really impressive, but then not impressive because relative to everything else, it's just the same. Yeah. If you're a teenager in the world right now and you're watching Eli Hanneman's clips, you'd be, you might need a psychologist. Yeah, it's fucked up. But then also, and I mean, this is no disrespect to Eli. It's like I watch his clips and I'm kind of like bored by them because it's just him doing the most like fucking massive shit, but it's just feels like it's the same thing over and over again. Like, I feel like if I was to watch Eli surf in person, I would be like, holy shit, this kid is so amazing at surfing. But when I watch these really kind of like squeaky clean edits, I don't get the impact of the maneuvers that he's doing because I'm not seeing him fall five times first, which Eli's has one of the highest consistency, like make rates of anyone, but still like, you're going to fall hard when you're doing some of the shit he's doing and we're not seeing that. So it just feels like he lands it every time, which somehow 
makes it seem less impressive, kind of. Yeah, it's almost uninspiring. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, okay, I'm not in the same. I don't. I don't do the same thing as that guy. I do something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Next point. We're getting a bit. We're getting a bit. We're getting a bit excited here. Uh, wow, that's a beautiful green drink you're, you're mm. tasting right now. What's in there? Um, thanks to the miso for that. Um, number one supporter of the, this podcast. <laughs> our, our partners. Um, I'd say there's just a bunch of spinach and, uh, you know, maybe some spirulina or something in there. Mm, trying to keep you uh, young and virile. Mm. That's right. I am 30 now, so it's, um, you know, halfway to 60. If last, <laughs> last time I checked my maths. I'm getting a laugh from the crowd at that one, actually. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, wave magnitude, which is I consider how big, fast, and powerful a wave is kind of in relation to others that day. And yeah, I don't know. To me, it just matters. Like it's the biggest cliche ever, but size matters. You know, the, the fucking power of a wave matters. It all matters. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think the lower trestles is one wave in the world where it does not matter. But I definitely think you need that in there just because if you're going to run more of these events, which I believe you are, there's another location which you're going to go to where that definitely, definitely matters. So you'd want the people to score to that anyway. But as far as lowers is concerned, like especially some of those medium shaped lefts, they're way more scoring potential than some of the bigger waves with more magnitude. So yeah, it'd be, you know, I think it's different locations around the world. Uh, you know that that's going to factor in or not so yeah to your point i did make this criteria with not just lowers in mind and i mm. i tried to make it kind of like a little bit vague in that sense but also with those mid like with those mid size mid height waves at lowers i actually think that some of those have more what i would consider like magnitude like they're faster and more powerful than the big burgery ones so that's True. why it's not just how like tall a wave is it's like kind of how much like girth and oomph it has to it yeah. i know we don't have a we don't have visual on this podcast but i'm making like a barrel motion with my hand <laughs> you know how much curve the wave has yeah so all right so that's number three and then number four is kind of directly related to that one and it's i, I couldn't come up with a better word for this i'm sure one exists my vocabulary is uh very bad so I Let's went go to the Proto stab comment section. That'll, that'll help you out. There's some big <laughs> words in there that scare me. So I went with productivity, which is basically, did you make the most out of that wave, the wave? So if you had a wave that was an eight, hmm. but you felt like you like held back on it, then you're going to actually get a lower score in the productivity thing than you would if you surfed like a medium sized wave to the same score or whatever. Like, Sorry, I didn't explain that very well either. But the point is that they almost have like an inverse relation, wave magnitude and productivity. So if the wave has a great magnitude, you need to like surf it even better to max out the productivity side of things because there's that much more potential on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think that's really cool. And I think that um, that should almost be universal. Because right, like, there's guys, so many surfers rip the fuck out of the tiniest wave in the heat and they get on a good one and just get to the end of it. It's like, oh my God, if you had done a fucking huge air on that first section, you would have got a 12. Yeah. So and yeah, so I think that's cool. But there's just, there's two there also too with like the judging on the world tour is there's, there's not such a hard sport to judge. They kind of almost, they struggle to incentivize that at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, it's an imperfect sport. Yeah. Everything about it is always going to be flawed we're yeah. just trying to create something that is less about getting to the end of the wave yeah which, exactly you know what i mean like we yeah. really want guys to get on the best waves and we want them to try you know like take basically the dane approach yeah get a fucking 9.5 or fall and try it again the next time yeah like that said we don't want them to fall on every wave and only make one because that doesn't make for that compelling of viewing i don't think but there needs to be some level of like yeah dude don't just do a little safety turn that is going to get you a whatever five in a normal comp it's not going to fly here yeah totally yeah yeah which you guys could create that you know it's pre-recorded so yeah yeah and Mental. so the last one which i guess kind of maybe i maybe i didn't explain productivity as well maybe i kind of conflated it with the last point which is just performance like pure like maneuver wise whereas productivity 
is more about like really utilizing the best parts of the wave and performance is actually like going for maneuvers that are fucking crazy and really hard to pull off. So I think I didn't explain it that well, but the last point is just pure performance. Are you going to do something that fucking puts our chin on the linoleum? And that's my criteria. I love it. Can't wait. Um, I think the other thing too, that is going to be, fun to see how it plays out will be it's just one left and one right so we don't actually uh there's not a lot of pressure on the on the judges you're only remembering one wave essentially in each direction but but you're scoring every wave as the judges you are scoring every wave but it's similar to like the air show days when that like okay say someone gets a seven early in the heat right the other waves don't matter unless they're bettering that. You're still going to score okay. them, but if it's kind of not even in the ballpark, then you don't even give it a thought. It's just three, two. In the air shows, you just used to put, you didn't even score it. If they fell, you didn't, you didn't score it, which is yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. It's similar to this. Like there's not, there's not a whole lot. Of, and I'm, I'm taking this a lot more seriously than probably <laughs> it's intended to be taken. But uh, yeah, I take things seriously. Like you're not going to score. You are going to score it, but you're not going to like lose your mind over like, oh, does this sit in between the three or the five? I don't know. Oh, but if you want to win the surfboards, then you have to get it spot on. Yeah, okay. Take, I'll take that back. But just do the first, just take the whole, take the criteria out and just do your first impression. Like, yeah, don't, yeah. don't give it that much thought, but yeah. definitely like, you know, you watch the wave. Is it a fucking 35 or is it a 52? Mm. Mm. Love it. That's how old school scoring used to be out of 100. Yep. So giving a bit of, bit of a throwback there. Um, all right. So any other things that I can clear up because I'm totally aware that we did not do the best job of kind of presenting and explaining this so that the, you know, consuming public could really get a grasp of it. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got a question. Um, how can I watch it if I don't pay for it? Ooh. So actually because of the whole COVID situation, we are going to give away the uh, live stream for free to anybody that specifically asks us. So anybody that wants to watch the event for free that, you know, you feel like you can't afford to pay for it right now, we totally understand that. And we're going to need you to send us an email at, hold on one second. I'm going to find the email. Did you know about this, by the way, or were you just asking? That has a completely loaded question and anyone in Australia that's milking our prime minister for unemployment benefits should definitely be buying this. <laughs> uh, no, my answer to that question was don't watch it. Cause I, I just, I find the, you know, my Instagram got hammered with like, fucking I'm not paying for this shit. Like bullshit. Like whatever. Okay, cool. Don't watch it then. <laughs> Okay, so it's the, the email to get the show for free if you need it is surf100 at stabmag.com. So surf the number 100100 at stabmag.com. Shoot us a message if you can't afford to watch the show. And um, yeah, we'll take care of you. That's cool if they want to milk a pass. Um, that's kind of like a standard surf contest. Like get us in the comp zone, get us a pass. So, you know, it's good that that culture is still around. Um, I've done that before, so I'm glad people can can still do that. Um, um, I did want to say though that I don't want anyone to underestimate how much hard work goes into something like that. I'm not a part of it, but I do see some of the texts or emails that go around, and like it's a big gig. So I, I hope it comes off for you guys. And something like eleven filmers that you know eleven you filmers and you guys aren't the WSL. <laughs> so no. you're not you're not an event as such you know you, you you so you know an event company i mean so i think that um i think it's cool to see you guys really sticking your neck out and having a crack and i hope it all hope it all comes off yeah well the 11 filmers is one thing but the actual like day of production is maybe one percent of the overall production energy that goes into this like For think sure. about 11 think about editing 11 filmers we had a guy will sitting there trying to pick through 11 different angles of the same thing putting this whole thing together so yeah a lot's gone into it we're, we're really proud of it and we know that we're going to be able to do it better next time already we're already excited for that and we've got some really exciting places and people lined up 
but we really want to basically show this thing to the world and uh, see how it goes. So, uh, you know what? I think we should bring in Ian Crane to chat a little bit more about it. What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah, I usually spend a lot of time with Crane on the road. I'm pretty close with all those uh, with all those lads and that he travels with and stuff. So I'm excited to yeah catch up with him and have a chat and. Hopefully uh, everyone enjoys it as, as much as we did. It's a, it's a bit of a laugh. He's a, he's a unique boy, old crane. So yeah, looking forward to um, sharing this one with everyone. What up, Stace? Hey, Mikey. <laughs> How's it going, Crano? What are you up to? I am on the 101 South, about to merge onto the 10 East, heading home from Los Angeles. What were you doing up in LA? I had a, a random day in LA. Uh, I did a photo shoot for this tuxedo company that I'm an ambassador for now. It's a Gen Tux, and uh, they had us in Milk Studios. I guess it's some like famous studio in LA. And uh, I was there with uh, Paul Rodriguez, and uh, it was fucking sick. And we like did our deal. And Atiba was there, and he was shooting it all. Atiba Jefferson, he's like a crazy skate photographer. And I don't know, I never met either of those guys before, but they're super cool. And I don't know, I felt like a fish out of water there for a bit. But it was pretty easy and a random fun day trying on tuxedos and, I don't know, being So, So what's the deal? Kind of you, you get like high school girls to rent you guys for prom, or how does it work? Yeah, yeah, we take the highest bid. I'll be flying out <laughs> anywhere in the U.S., <laughs> and uh yeah we looking sharp in my new tailored tuxedo <laughs> it's good to hear you getting but into yeah, the studio mate i reckon uh, i reckon calvin klein might be knocking on your door next <laughs> we got the undies bulge yeah let's get the undies let's get the undies <laughs> cracking give give the people no. what they really want <laughs> no but it was random and pretty fun so i don't know definitely never gonna model again unless it's for that but i don't know I wouldn't say I was modeling. I just stood there with my surfboard in a tuxedo and looked like a weirdo, but it was cool. And everyone was rad. So it was a fun day. Yeah, well, thanks cool. for joining us on your, uh, your ride home. It's a miserable drive. Anybody in California or Southern California has probably done it a thousand times. Um, so yeah, Ian, the, the big thing that we got going on right now is tomorrow is surf 100, the big reveal. Um, so yeah, Tell me a little bit about Surf 100, your experience there, like, because neither Stace nor I were there. Yeah, Surf 100 was killer. Uh, Sam McIntosh put me and Griff and Kalohe in a group text like a few months ago, kind of fresh into COVID with this rad idea of a 100-minute surf challenge where your best left and your best right went to win the session and how video clips are deceiving and some could be a year-long stint around any wave in the world and then some are like one trip and they could both look just as gnarly next to each other and they wanted to get to the bottom of who can put together a part the quickest I guess and uh yeah so that was killer and then we were in like this group text the whole time before leading up to it like talking about what day of waves we wanted and kind of landing on what day was going to be pumping lowers the best and Chloe was the commissioner wave forecast guru and me and Griff were along for the ride and uh yeah the day we chose where Chloe chose was pumping and uh I don't know I haven't seen any clips or anything from it but hopefully it comes out sick I think oh, it will sick well it's 9.99 US and yeah it comes out tomorrow so you can tune in I'll be there I'll be tuned in <laughs> we should say that it's $9.99 if you buy it today, the day before the event. If you buy it on the day of the event, $14.99. So uh, get the fucking plastic out, boys. It's time to go. We, we haven't seen a surf contest in ages. Let's do it. Yeah. I know, right? When Sam first hit us up, I was so bored of COVID time, and I was so excited. Like, wow, the coolest thing I've like ever done happens to be in like the most boring time ever. I was so stoked just to be involved. So yeah, Crane, tell us what you've been up to. Um, I guess just from the start of this whole quarantine thing, like you were obviously in San Clemente and there was a bit of a surf shutdown for a little bit. So what were you doing to kind of stay busy? 
well, it started out and I was in Manly Beach with Stace and we were hanging out and about to go to New Zealand. And then all the contests got canceled and they finished Manly a day early and everyone split town, headed home and bunkered down. And then, uh, yeah, since I was home, did like a couple road trips, went up to Santa Cruz and surfed with Nat Young and Kolohe while our beaches down in St. were closed. And then uh, once things kind of mellowed out a little bit, we did a trip to Texas. It was rad for Lost. Like the Lost Reports team went out with uh, Bylas and Riola and Mason and Coco came out and shelled in. And that was sick. And I don't know, but that video just came out with, on your guys' site, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was a big that one. Was, that was super fun. And then uh, I went down to Mexico actually like a month ago. And that was pretty sick. Did a trip with like a friend's trip with uh, Mike Dunphy and Nat Young, Griffin, Cola Pinto, and uh, Rufo and Gilmet. And my cousin came and filmed with Vanderwerk and Quinn Matthews and the whole crew. And we kind of scored some waves down there. It felt insane to leave the country and pretend like nothing was going wrong for like 10 days so that was pretty special and uh, how, yeah. how was that clip of you on the fucking foam ball from the drone oh my god that was just like a pretty mistake <laughs> <laughs> I, was I just like watched it i tried to like pig dog and just got sucked up the face like a loser i was like oh my god <laughs> but like that was like six hours into the session when you're all like gumby and you've gotten barreled a bunch and you just like pull something off on accident because you're like tube drunk so it was just, I don't know, <laughs> random, but kind of looked cool. I'm glad. I was giving my cousin shit, too. I was like, dude, why do you keep flying that stupid drone? Like, sounds like a hive of bees. Every clip looks the same. I was like, get that thing out of here. And then you got, like, kind of a pretty cool clip. So I looked like an idiot for telling him all that. <laughs> that is unreal. How good was that boys trip? Looked like it looked bizarre seeing everyone getting on a plane. I was kind of tripping on that. Did you guys have to do anything special when you got home, or is it just kind of pretty normal to just be kind of traveling like that in your part of the world at the moment? I mean, you hear about all these restrictions and all this stuff, and then you go out and you actually do it, and it's not bad at all. Like you wear your stupid mask, not a stupid mask, but like it's like just like a tiny cloth over your face and like you take it off to eat and like you know it's like yeah. how much is this thing really preventing a germ getting into my nose but it yeah. was kind of mellow like you had to wear your mask and they had like heat thermometers on your forehead before you like every little like checkpoint and uh coming home was mellow and i don't know everything was pretty easy no one got covid and <laughs> we all got some too so i don't know yeah, I kind of feel like all the other red tape might not be pretty loose as well. <laughs> yeah, got yeah. It must have been such a good vibe that everyone must have just been so stoked to be, you know, uh, or you know, so grateful to have that opportunity to go and do that. There probably would have been, uh, you know, none of that competitive vibe at all. Um, which is kind of what I wanted to pick your brain about with the 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 surf one hundred thing. How was the vibe between you guys in the water? Because I think the most common misconception is that free surf trips in general are kind of mellow, but I wanted to hear from your perspective. Is, is that kind of the case or is it just... Are you talking about Mexico or the lowers? The lowers thing. The lowers thing. Well, I mean, we had a hundred minutes to like who could surf the best. And it was like, I lowers the brother and grip. So like, I don't know. I, I wanted to beat him like you know like yeah. you're pretty comped out but like at the same time you can't get like too weird like there's 48 40 other guys out so like you're almost just trying to like get yourself on the best wave and that's almost just like being sneaky so like I guess it was just kind of like sneaking around the lineup and trying to finagle a wave off each other because like there's no priority so yeah. if like I'm in the right spot and there's like 40 guys between me and Chloe even if I got the last wave like I'm going like there's no like you know like he didn't have priority like I fucking yeah. snuck around the crowd and got it not him but so yeah. like the that part of the competition wasn't there but the part of the competition where you want to beat those guys is still there like I don't want to yeah. lose but I don't know I don't know how it went it's not even losing though it's like who surfed better which is like weird yeah it's like so social I don't know how it's gonna work 
yeah, totally. It's like you know amongst the boys who who won, you know, or who who surfed the best. So, yeah, no, it's cool. It's gonna be it's gonna be great to see. I think this is like the perfect hybrid between an actual thirty minute heat and then somewhere where you go somewhere and try to film a part. So it's gonna be interesting yeah. to see how it, how it all, how it all comes out. But I definitely know that like you know, someone like yourself, you kind of fall into both worlds. You put out amazing video parts and then you're also smashing heats out at the same time. So it's going to be, uh, you know, and the other two guys do the same thing. So it's, it's cool to see it all together um, as one. But I just think as a, as a whole, a lot of kids, they grow up and they think, oh, I want to, I'm going to be a free surfer or whatever. And it's going to be, it's less competitive. Um, do you find that with free surfing? Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely less competitive. Like, you go on like a QS event, you're like gearing up for an event and you have all your boards dialed and you show up and you're like free surfing, hassling to like ride a little wave with like 120 other guys who are just as hungry as you to, I don't know, like <laughs> yeah. do a couple turns to the beach so you feel comfortable in your heat or I don't know, it's like way different. On a free, on a free surf trip, you're like, I don't know, you're almost on vacation, but then I feel like you're, I don't know if you're harder on yourself. I'm pretty hard on myself in contests, but yeah. you're like harder on yourself day to day. Like contest, uh, when you're there for a contest, you're kind of just like trying to be loose and happy and cruising. And then it's all like boils down to like one 30 minute heat at a time that you're in. Yeah. Whereas like a free surf trip, you'll surf like five, six hours a day. And like the whole time you're trying to like bust out some cool waves. And I don't know how else. It's like not really like more competitive, but there's like different pressures. Involved. Different, yeah, yeah. But what about when somebody, when you're on like a free surf trip and somebody, you know, lands something huge or is just like, it seems like every wave, they're just linking everything together and you're like struggling or whatever. Like, doesn't it kind of come out in that sense? You're like, oh man, like, fuck, I need to keep up with this guy. Yeah, but I don't know. It's more of like a pure way of like, just surfing better instead of like you see someone surf a wave good in the heat you're like fuck like nah like gotta get like an eight like i can't get an eight out here and you start doubting yourself and doing weird stuff whereas like if someone lands like a big aerial site like oh that was sick and then you like start trying bigger errors or going harder at something than you would be doing if you're just at a normal surf so it's it's just still different it's kind of like, like, it's like a positive competitiveness versus a negative competitiveness in, in an actual contest. Yeah, it's definitely more positive free surfing. Because you're like stoked at the end of the day for your friend, like for doing something cool. Like, wow, like what was crazy. Like, hopefully I could get a nuts clip tomorrow or something like that. Whereas like in a heat, like a guy drops a scroll on you and beats you like, fuck that guy. Now I got to go home or like I'm out of the event. Like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's cool if you see someone working on a trick for a while and then they get it and it, that that's, you know, you know how hard they've been working at it and it's, uh, yeah, like you say, it's, it's cool to see them doing well, which uh, sort of brings me to my, my next sort of point with yourself, mate. Like some of those airs that you've brought from the wave pool into the ocean um, that you've been working at for a while. I mean, what kind of role do you think uh, Waco's played in that for you? Oh, yeah. The Waco wave pool is like a huge surf tool. Like I've seen it really in my surfing. Like I'm able to do stuff now in motion that I wasn't able to do until I went to Waco and worked out the kinks or whatever. And then you like know how to do it. And it's, I don't know, it's like part of your, part of your repertoire now. So, I mean, stuff like that, like you see like Jackson Dorian and like all these kids from San Clemente keep going like Taj Limblad and stuff. And they're just doing crazy airs in this wave pool. And you see them come home and they like are at lowers or T street and they're doing crazier airs than they did last week. And it's just, I don't know. It's definitely a major surf tool that everyone kind of has access to now. It's just pretty rad. Yeah, totally. And the progression, particularly with the women too, it's, it's unbelievable. Like some of the stuff. Oh yeah. Um, holy crap. Really? Yeah. What uh, Josh Kerr's daughter was doing freaking humongous airs. Yeah. Uh, Sierra, I was watching videos of her. She was in proper gnarly airs. I was so impressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it and is then, yeah, wild. It's, cool. it's super cool. Yeah. And it's going to be hey, fun. So that pump's 
Springs pool is like going to be done soon. I think I went out there a couple of times. It's going to be super fun. It's like close to home. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. They're just going to pop up everywhere. It's, it's going to yeah. be fucking sick when they all get going and, and then they'll, they'll kind of their competitive nature between the wave pools will I think make the prices pretty good for everyone as well. Like it's kind of going to be like a win-win. I think, I hope. <laughs> How much is it to rent out the Kelly pool? Oh, just like 50k a day. Mel mellow. <laughs> oh, wow. Nosedive, nosedive the first barrel and just watch 500 US just rifle away from you down the point. <laughs> That's suicidal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have Yang's... you surfed that pool yet? No, no, I've never never been to that one. I thought you might be uh, a good candidate for that um that show that the WSL's doing. Yeah, yeah, they just, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of over it, and then I, like, kind of signed up late, but they had already done the casting, and I don't know. Uh, I was, like, really over it, and then COVID happened, and, like, all, like, my year plans went down the drain, and it would have been cool to be in it, but I don't know. It, I don't know. I didn't want to do it, but enough, I, like, yeah. signed up for it, but I was on the fence, and they didn't pick me, so it was, like, a good thing. We can write it off now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you thinking of doing all the comps this year? Like, what what was your kind of outlook for 2020? Yeah, I was doing all the comps, all the QSs, like the all the all the big ones, and trying to qualify. And I was also doing the WSL Airborne ones, and then the Stab Highs as well. So I was kind of, I was like writing everything down the beginning of the year. I was getting so hyped that it all kind of about flush but like i don't know i can't like cry about anything because you look at people with real problems and <laughs> my little like travel plans getting spoiled or nothing so it's all good and so you obviously grew up in the same town as kolohe and griff i think you're a little bit older than them right uh me and Chloe are the same age and griff's quite a bit younger Okay, cool. So you, you competed with Kolohe, I guess, your whole life, and then maybe had like a few heats here and there with Griff. Is that about right? Yeah, I lost to Kolohe every weekend for <laughs> 10 years at events <laughs> up and down the coast. <laughs> so I guess that leads to my question, which is like, do you have a rivalry with these guys? Like, is there any sort of like, like, is there a part of you that's like, man, I'm so fucking tired of losing to this guy. And you kind of saw Surf 100 as this launch pad to be like, all right, this is my time. I'm going to take back all those losses right here, right now. A hundred percent. I was so psyched. I was like, dude, if it's one left and one right, like top two waves, I have like these like dream waves playing in my head. I'm like, if I stick my best left and best right, I'm going to beat these guys. Like it's on, like I can't wait. And then I don't know how it planned out, but <laughs> I was, I was really looking forward to it. I was, it was cool. But yeah, we were and- also, we've been doing these like, uh, practice comps lately like with uh brett simpson so we've been like going up to huntington and he's been coming down to st many and we're doing like drills and little heats and stuff and so like we were already being like super competitive with each other prior to the surf 100 challenge so it was pretty cool that like that happened after we had already been doing all these practice heats and like there had been like some blood in the water like some battles and <laughs> it was kind of classic <laughs> We were like comping out that whole month together. So how it was kind how of did cool. you go in those? Like, how, what was the kind of you know the leaderboard looking like at the end of the the month? I think we did like four. It was like me, Chloe, Griff, and Cross. And I think Griffin won the first one. I won the second one. And then Chloe won the last two. But one of them, the third one, I was in the final, Chloe, and I fell on an air that, like, I should have landed, and then I got second instead of first, and that <laughs> pissed me off. But then other than that, they are just fun. They are like, scrimmages. Like, it wasn't, like, full, like, comped out heat. But you guys throwing down like some enough. cash for that? An overall winner at the end? couple hundred bucks? Loser was buying winner lunch, so we would go to lunch after. And then uh-huh. we were chipping uh, – chipping brett some money for uh running the show yeah yeah i saw yeah, yeah, we're actually doing one tomorrow yeah yeah and then we had one that was 
like a eight person or 12 person one and Cade Matson beat Michael Dunphy in the final. But wow. we're doing one tomorrow, actually. We're doing one tomorrow at, uh, at Trails. Sick. You guys <laughs> yeah, should start uh, ch- ch- charging a, uh, a spectator fee. I feel like yeah, people can watch that. <laughs> yeah we'll bring we'll bring it all down tomorrow <laughs> four people sh- four people buy it we got enough for lunch it's good <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's amazing yeah um so sam mcintosh uh loves to call you the most underrated surfer in the world how does that make you feel i mean it's pretty cool i guess it's like a compliment right absolutely but, yeah 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 and, it's cool man. yeah <laughs> I guess the follow-up to that is like, you know, you grew up surfing with Kolohe and Griffin who both had a pretty early entry into the world tour and they've had, you know, like Kolohe's obviously finished in the top five last year. Griffin has had some big singular results and like they've done pretty well for themselves. So how does that, like, are you inspired by that? Does that kind of frustrate you that you grew up with these guys and you've been competitive with them your whole life and like they got to that level at a certain, you know, time that you didn't? Um, not really because if it weren't for those guys, like I probably wouldn't even be a pro surfer right now. Like they're always like, I mean, Chloe, especially Griffin's younger, but growing up like Chloe and stuff and Luke Davis and everyone, like, I don't know, I was never as good as those guys. So it was just, I was just along for the ride and loved surfing and, just surfed as much as they did and got to tag along on some trips and then got good enough to I don't know I guess be like my own pro surfer I guess and uh yeah it's cool that Sam calls me the most underrated surfer <laughs> in the world like it's pretty nice like it's yeah. cool like some, do you reckon uh, you're starting to find uh some confidence now that you've kind of growing up a little bit like I think the you know towards the end of last year you had what looked like a qualifying run on the QS like that that must have felt good after having a couple of years of of really you know not many man on man heats yeah yeah it's cool I feel like I was like I don't know like I said like even while I'm like a pro server I was just along for the ride with like Chloe and hopping in with him and his dad and all our friends and stuff so like even when I started to like become my own kind of guy I was still just along for the ride so now I'm like older I'm kind of like I don't know still like just kind of happy or lucky like stoked just to be involved and like be on the road and surfing good waves and stuff but I feel like I could kind of like narrow my focus a little bit better and see where I was just having a good time and like focus in on like how to improve instead of just go out and dick around and have fun surfing like be a little bit more professional I guess I don't know yeah go yeah I mean I still love competing I haven't like burnt out on that and surf trips are the best things ever so i don't know i just enjoy being on the road with friends and surfing and i don't know competition's always fun so i want to get better at that and focusing i don't know learning yeah totally stace in your experience as a coach um you're obviously dealing with different personalities in every in every athlete so if someone like Ian came to you and you know Ian's personality, like you said, he's kind of happy-go-lucky and is just kind of like a frother, but maybe didn't what the competitive side he never took super seriously. He was never the person that was, you know, like doing all the math and everything like that. Like, would you try to push him into that sort of like work ethic sort of thing? Or would you try to gear his natural energy and like kind of channel it that way? You know what I'm I didn't ask that well at all. But no, I, I, I know exactly. I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. And I think that um, I think Ian has a lot of similarities to like you know Jack, who I grew up with. Like their their talent, their their ability to score, even though they probably don't like being viewed in that sense. But their ability to score left and right is so so strong. Like, and I think that um, you know I've, I've had a chat with Ian about this in the past. Like people like Shane Beshin and 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 other people at really singing Ian's praises and, and basically confirming what we all believe in him is that he's world tour quality, but it's just about finding that balance and what is, what style of surfing is going to suit him to actually make heats. Cause if you, you get someone like Jack or even Ian to like, Oh, just get to the end of two waves. Like that's not fulfilling for them. They might win the heat, but they're going to feel like 
oh, not really that they've surfed their best or whatever. So I think it's just about a compromise and some venues just don't allow your best surfing. You've just kind of got to knuckle down. And I think it's just about realizing the days and the conditions and knowing that, you know, okay, well, today's a day that I've got to comp out and tomorrow I can put a free surf section in the heat or, or whatever. And I think it's just about getting through those grindy heats is the hardest thing. Like as Ian's obviously knows firsthand, like there's so many heats on the QS where 10 points would get you through, but it's just about being okay with that and not trying to, fight it i think and i think with ian i think he is is definitely got the quality there it's just about finding that like you know being okay to just tag along i think is wearing thin for sure because I, I watched him last year destroy people and it was fucking amazing <laughs> and i mean he's been like dominant at both stab highs like in the early rounds of both events he was pretty much the guy to beat and then obviously he went on to win the red bull airborne event as well so like it's not like anybody is not taking Ian seriously. Like everybody that comes up against you in a heat, Ian, I'm sure is like, Oh fuck, what is this guy going to do? I think people are just hoping that he falls. Because, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. You know, cause if he, if he, if he rides out of waves, it's pretty easy for judges to write down scores for someone like him. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, we, we have these chats all the time and I think it's, it's, it's about, you know, you want to have fun and you want to be grateful for, that you're there at these different spots around the world, but there's no fucking way that any of the boys are stoked with a first round or a second round, oh. you know, like it fucking hurts. So yeah, it's just about finding that. Like I think with um, something that I, I helped in with a little bit last year at one comp was just like digesting the loss and not letting the wheels completely fall off because you've got to compete again next week. Um, and I, I don't know, Crane, like, I think, you know, like you said earlier, you're really hard on yourself. And, um, I think that's a great thing. It's obviously made you how, you know, how special you are at surfing, but at the same time, like sometimes I think a lot of the boys can carry their losses for a week or two. And I think that's what can, um, you know, have a, a, a longer term sort of worse effects. Is that something that you think you do, Crane? <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> I'm like, it's so hot and cold, man. Like, Oh yeah. I'm pretty bad. Like at like losing sight and just completely imploding. <laughs> but, like once it starts to slip, it's gone. Like, but I get it back quick. Like it's just like, I'm not like a two week dweller. I'm like a 10 second bomb of just self-destruction. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's like the most, you can learn. <laughs> what's the most like, aggressive reaction you've ever had to like losing a heat i don't know it's just like always the same deal like you save your best board for this event and it works really good and you don't touch it until the event and you ride it and it works magic and then you lose and you just blow it apart like, hold it. Like, <laughs> i'm the biggest idiot ever like i don't know you just feel like i don't know you just get mad and you like blind rage and then you destroy something you love and then it's like instant regret and then you don't care about the loss of the contest you're just like embarrassed <laughs> it's, it's like a yeah it's like a bad cycle that i've been on for the last you 10 gotta, years but gotta I, walk think, through the I think i can get out of that <laughs> i think it took covid to like break the break the trend i think i'll be good after it if there's a tour for us again <laughs> And I've, uh, as a spectator, one of the most kind of interesting things to see in, in a competitor is how they respond to pressure and like kind of like uh, a stressful situation. So like you look, I'd say the best person at dealing with it is maybe like a Medina who just seems to go into this stone cold Terminator mode. Like when he needs a score, he's going to figure out a way to get it or he's going to figure out a way to like go behind the guy or something like that. How do you feel like you respond to moments of stress or like adversity in a heat? You know, you, you've got whatever, seven minutes left and you need a decent sized score. Like what's your mindset at that point? Mm, I don't know. I guess I'm, it's like, I guess it'd be pretty inconsistent like everything else. Like sometimes I'm like, I could feel that I can rise to the occasion. I know it's going to happen. It normally does. And I feel like that. And other times I just like sink into myself and I'm just doomed. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. Everything's pretty inconsistent with me, I guess. So I got to change that probably. 
<laughs> Hopefully Just these 100 minute heats can yeah. uh, can do some wonders, maybe a bit more time to ride yeah. through all those 15 emotions and then come out on top at the end. Yeah, I need to like meditate or something. Do a run around mid heat just to reset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. talk to us about yeah, your stop your... wearing a leash or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any sort of strategy going into Surf 100? Like you basically, you said that you knew that if you rode your best left and your best right, that you could easily beat those guys. But like, did you have any sort of strategy in terms of like getting waves or what waves you wanted or anything like that? It's like lower. So you just kind of got to like one of the strategies, like just to be on like the good waves. Like if you like ripple insider, it's not going to look as cool as if you get like a bomb and surf it really well. So I guess riding good waves. I don't know. I kind of wanted to like ride a few waves early just to like surf a couple before I like did anything crazy so like stay said like get to the end of a couple waves just to not like go for Hail, Hail Mary's at like 50 minutes in and <laughs> start just falling on every wave so I guess kind of tried to ride a couple first but um there's you know the the Griffin Kolohe thing is uh certainly starting to catch a bit of uh sparks around the world as they start to surf more heats together is, is that something that you feel around town or is it kind of still just the oh, boys to you oh uh, yeah you can see it uh floyd definitely does not want to ever lose to griffin and griffin really wants to be Floyd, so it's pretty funny if anything i was just an oddball doing my deal and they were like more i think focused on beating each other yeah like i think if i beat them they're okay with it but neither of them want to lose to the other you know like chloe doesn't want to yeah. grip grip doesn't want to lose to chloe if yeah. i end up winning they're like oh cream beat us that's cool you <laughs> kind of like that's bruce irons bruce irons in the andy yeah. kelly days <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know but yeah those guys are definitely it's like a power struggle for those two i think a little bit yeah you know, they're both trying to be the, the best they're trying to be like the guy on tour olympics titles event wins you know like they're yeah they're top of the top of the charts those two yeah what's yeah, your go. what's your prognosis you know let's let's project 15 years into the future on the kind of back end of these guys careers who do you think comes out with a stronger competitive record or most world titles or whatever i don't know that's a that's a tough one i think both are gonna have their day in the sun I think both of them are going to have crazy successes. I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch for sure. But yeah, I think Chloe in the near future is going to do some crazy shit. And I think Griff's going to blossom into the gnarly guy that everyone sees him as. And tell me about the, uh, the female scene at Lowers or actually not the female scene. I actually just want to know about Caroline Marks because Every time I see a clip of Lowers and I see her in it compared to even some of the better guys, I swear she's like going faster and turning harder than them. Is that just like, is, are my eyes playing tricks on me or is she ripping that hard? She's so gnarly. Backside, she's a freak. She's so gnarly. We went to, she was on the trip, we went to the wave pool in Texas and that three wave set backside, I don't know, she's like all like small and compact and stuff and she was ripping it so hard. I was like, so like, I don't know, riding a wave after her was so like hard to surf well because I just knew she was smoking me. And Mike Riella was like <laughs> pointed out too, he's like, come on Crane, Caroline's smoking you out there. Like you gotta <laughs> step it up. He was writing me off so hard. But yeah, she was ripping and she's insane. And, She's classic. She surfs all day. She surfs more than anyone. Oh, don't let Kolohe hear that. I don't know. I think he already knows it. <laughs> That's Sick. classic. And uh, what do you Stace, reckon? Is, do you have any more yeah, questions yeah. for Ian on Surf 100? Um, no, not really. I, I definitely, um, I'm definitely just excited to watch. I'm kind of going in blind. I, I, I like I said, I haven't really, uh, haven't really seen too much other than obviously what's on Instagram and I'm really just fired up to get a coffee and tune in um, 11 a.m. on Friday. So, yeah. And um, I hope Crane well, just gets to put these boys to the sword, but I'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, wait and see. Crane, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it and hope that uh, we made your drive a little bit less uh, boring. 
yeah, it's been super funny. Like, I normally listen to podcasts. I listen to your guys' too while I'm driving. And so listening to you guys on my car speaker talk and then me replying, I feel like kind of weird, like I'm talking to myself or something, but it's <laughs> super weird. Like I'm just in my car gibbering while you guys are on the radio doing your podcast. So. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Kind of like uh, feels like yeah. you're yelling at the TV kind of vibes. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm just yelling at you guys on my radio. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. Right on. Well, cool. Uh, thanks yeah. for having me on. Of course. Absolutely, man. It's great talking to you. Yeah, right on. See you, Craner. All right. Catch you later, Craner.